the age-old adage of fixing it in post, which I personally think is shooting yourself in the foot. I do believe in having very specific, meticulous, and detailed pre-production briefs. Um, now that I am in a place in my career where I, I understand <laughs> I've been on the other side of that process and knowing what happens when you don't do that upfront pre-production, how disaster it is throughout the rest of the cycle. Um, and just, you know, I, I respect and value my collaborators and my team and our talent. Having an impact on an audience does not happen by accident. I'm thrilled that as we explore the world of pre-production with different video producers through this season three of Video Production Daily, that today we've got Meekum Dang with us. Meekum is going to help us evaluate pre-production and what you can do to plan to have an impact on an audience. Meekum, again, as executive producer from America's Test Kitchen, has done a lot of impressive work along her long career. If you want to know more about what Meekum has done, make sure you reference last week's episode where we dive into her career and how she got to where she is. Meekum, this week we're talking about pre-production, so it would be interesting from your consulting and owning your own production company and working with Facebook and really exploring story structure and then all of the digital work that you've done with America's Test Kitchen I imagine that you've had different pre-production processes throughout your career, so I'm excited to hear what kind of tips and pointers you can give us as an audience. So, Mikam, what does your ideal pre-production process look like? It is very detailed, <laughs> and I know that um, some people prefer just getting into production, uh, or you know the the age-old adage of fixing it in post, which I personally think is shooting yourself in the foot. I do believe in having very specific, meticulous, and detailed pre-production briefs. Um, you know, one thing that we've been thinking a lot about more recently is not just the basic things of, you know, where is this going? What is your goal? Who is your audience? But on the creative aspects, what is the, the sort of tone, right? Or almost taking what you would do for something like a a log line or a treatment, for example, and building that into your pre-production brief. And then we also have started doing um, what I call sort of impact matrix uh, matrices. So uh, from a content perspective, we also want to make sure that the videos that we create align to our team's personal values and mission. So for example, one of those values is to actually support outside voices when it comes to telling the story of food media. So running our ideas through that matrix in the pre-production process has actually changed the way we think about whether or not this is the right story or the right type of video for us to be making, right? Who Not only who is the audience, but am I the author? I think that's something that's been more recent, um, heavily on my mind, but basically flows into how I've always thought about pre-production and having, let's say, a primary shoot you know, going on for your hero video or sort of the main episode, but then a secondary shoot where there's a shot list for social assets, for example. So all of that and having that pre-production really laid out before you go into production has saved so much time, um, heartache <laughs> and headache, and then ultimately sets you up to have a, a pool of content that you can work with. So it's actually giving you this cycle that is self-sustaining. So that's how I view pre-production and I don't skimp on it. <laughs> It's really interesting. I always feel like your heart, your mind, and your feet aren't quite aligned. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but if you're only thinking about diversity in casting, right, and not, you know, who's on the crew and who's writing the content and having it through the whole stack, then 
you're really missing an opportunity to, you know, cater to the ideas of diverse audiences and really create that inclusive environment that you want. And so I always think about that when I'm on any project and there's this huge effort to make sure that we're casting a, a diverse set of talent. And I'm thinking, okay, have we matched behind the camera to in front of the camera? And you talk about it in a really interesting way that you kind of run everything through that filter as you're creating content. And I'm wondering, you know, practically, what does that change uh, as you go to create a project and, and in what ways does it change the output of a project? Yeah, I, I'm also very happy to hear that you're thinking about it um, and not surprised. And for us, it is very much about vetting the idea from the start. Um, and if we feel like we don't meet that criteria, we either either need to bring in an outside voice or expert to check us on that. So again, it's kind of getting out of your own head and stepping outside of your walls, or we let the idea go and we focus on the things that we know that we do have trust and expertise in and where authorship is less of a question. Um, I also think it's important to have a certain level of humility in planning your projects and stories and knowing that you might feel really passionate about an idea, but it might not always land that way. So there's more consideration around not just your intentions, but that ultimate impact, which again, if you do that upfront work and thinking and research and pre-production, that gap is much, much, um, you close that gap, right? It's not as wide. It's not as tumultuous if you say, I'm just going to go for this. There's places for that. Um, and I'm a huge proponent of experimentation, but I do think when you're part of an organization telling a story on behalf of a community or a brand, being rigorous at the upfront is what is required now. Mika, let's like dive right down into the weeds and get really tactical. When you go to do a project, are there documents that you're creating? Are there things that you know that need to be defined before you'll start rolling record? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I would say that now that I am in a place in my career where I I understand <laughs> I've been on the other side of that process and knowing what happens when you don't do that upfront pre-production, how disastrous it is throughout the rest of the cycle. Um, and just, you know, I, I respect and value my collaborators and my team and our talent and having all of those briefs and the pre-production documents. And it doesn't always have to be the same thing for every shoot, right? Something ephemeral, for example, that goes strictly on social might not need an extensive shot list but it still needs to tie to a larger goal and idea. I think people have great ideas, but understanding again that we're part of a team, a brand, a business, there is always an outcome that you actually have to attach it to. So the way that I think about that is the unstructured stuff versus the bottom line stuff and making space for both of that. So for me, you're not losing out every time you take on a new project because you know that that opportunity or that place to experiment can come later in your process or in a different part of your production process. So for me, it is very much about understanding that from the get-go and creating art for art's sake is, you know, like I said before, that's, those are my roots, but there's also a time and place for that. And discerning that is really important. Yeah. So let's talk about that because, you know, it's interesting in this process of interviewing different video producers and talking about the same topics, you know, we've got people like Mark Rober who creates content for YouTube and he's kind of like, free thinking and does whatever he wants to. And then we have other producers like us who are creating content for a client or a network and it's going to be published somewhere. And so, you know, we kind of have to run it through their perspective as well. When you're in pre-production, Mecham, and America's Test Kitchen is a brand that's admired by a lot of folks, 
Um, what are kind of the checks and balances on ideas? Where do you have to, you know, what does the pitch process look like? How do you incorporate new ideas and then, you know, don't get too wild too fast or turn off a portion of the audience? Like, it's a tricky thing. Maybe can you tell us a little bit about how you navigate it and what that process looks like? Definitely. Um, this year in particular, we launched a, a social first program and we've adapted pretty well, all things considered. I, it was a lot easier when we were all together in one space, but we created a pipeline for anybody in the company to submit ideas for video content that could take form on social. And then we, again, looked at the platforms that we were pursuing. So things like YouTube, for example, that is our blockbuster venue for how we consider the content that goes on there. So that needs to stay in a place that is more controlled and has more autonomy within the video group. Whereas any of the other content we produce, whether it's an idea submitted from someone from a totally different business unit, but it's going on social, it runs through a separate stream of work. So we've created a system where people can actually be collaborative and understand more about the video process itself. Because the other thing we realize is people might have great ideas about video, but unless they're involved, the idea might not actually come to life. And our collaborators need to understand what goes into a video, which everyone now does because we're home, you know, shooting remotely together. But for me, it's very much about that platform and that distribution point. So understanding that, again, as part of pre-production helps me assess whether or not this idea makes sense here, or could we do it differently, or could we do it at a different time when the priority isn't launching a new show, for example. Yeah, Mikam, it's great to have your perspective here and the broadcast perspective, the digital perspective. Obviously, there's a wide uh, spectrum of topics that you could really go deep on. I'm excited. In next week's episode, we're going to uh, explore the impact that video has on different people's businesses and the business models that we kind of fit into as we work. And uh, I'm excited, you know, with all of your history with Brightcove and with Facebook and with publishing to really kind of hear that perspective, too. Uh, some of the consulting and producing work that you've done outside of America's Test Kitchen and then also within. So that's going to be a great episode. I look forward to hearing your perspective on that. Thanks so much for telling us about your pre-production process. I know that it's always unique. You talk to 100 producers and it's a, it's a little bit different. And when you run a project with one of them, you know, I feel like, like I always find nuggets of things that I want to incorporate in my process. So Mikam, thank you for sharing your process with us. I hope that everyone will come back next week and hear from Meekum on the impact that she has on people's businesses in broadcast and digital. There's a lot to learn there. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Video Production Daily. Filmmakers and video creators, as you know, production budgets are wildly inconsistent. Sometimes they rise, sometimes they fall, but your ability to bring creativity to a project is always in demand. I want to introduce you to the Masters of Engagement online course. Learn how to clarify creative ideas, engage audiences using conflict, dance, art, character development, relevancy, and unexpectedness in story. Every professional video creator should learn about audience psychology from mastersofengagement.com. I've included a discounted link in the show notes below, and I can't wait to see you in the online course.